planning conference. All right, we're Matt, Chris, and I have pledged sixty dollars to buy the Washington Commanders. So our offer of one hundred eighty dollars is in. Now we just need a GoFundMe account. Get a Bank of America executive. Tell Lapore, tell Lapore because he's like our business guy. Right. Tell Lapore to go get Bank of America on the phone. Tell him we got one hundred eighty dollars right. to buy the Commanders. Lapore, tell 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 Bank of America they have my car loan, so I can use my car loan as collateral to fund partially <laughs> a bid. Now that Matt Ishbiach. What's your Who, what's your car worth? Uh, there's probably two people on bucks. planet Earth that would remember that Matt Ishbia was once a guard for Michigan State, and I was just looking at both of them. Lurch Papa from the Junks and Pete Medhurst. Yeah, it's us. Because when Matt Ishbia was first mentioned about a month and a half ago, I said, Who? Who? I had no recollection of Matt Ishbia well, playing for the Michigan you know State Spartans. Here's the thing, Chris. Part of the part of the job of doing sports talk radio is following sports. Well, so, I, I follow a lot of sports. I can't remember everything. Just, just saying. You I know, can't remember every player, I, I every love, athlete, whether that the immaculate reception 50 years ago before I was even born. Nothing makes me was nothing, a playoff game. Nothing makes me want to throw a dart through someone's forehead when I hear a sports talk radio host go, oh, I don't watch the game. I didn't watch the game. Or, I didn't watch this, or I don't watch that. Well, well you I can't mean, watch every game. I know you can't watch every game, but you got to watch, like, the important things. Yeah, yeah. The problem is is that many sports talk radio hosts. I didn't watch that. Many sports talk radio hosts don't watch hard don't watch anything or or watch I a was very, very, Netflix very last night. limited amount. Exactly. I was beating prob- Bob from Fairfax in uh, Call of Duty last night. My problem <laughs> I took his money. My problem <clears throat> before you get us in further trouble, my problem is I can't watch it. Like, like, there's no way to watch everything that's on. There's just no way. I, just no way. I mean, I try. Um, you know, I, I try, but I, I can't even come close. But anyway, if, oh, by the way, we got to get into the big breaking news again. Late last night, I saw it, not technically overnight, about who is getting NFL Sunday ticket. Because I know oh, that's yeah. right up your alley. Yep. So we got to get into that. But here's. <clears throat> the number that I read yesterday, and this was in a report from CBSSports.com, right? And this surprised me somewhat. You remember what the Denver Broncos sold for, right? Yep. In, um, I guess it was August is when the deal closed. Um, $4.65 billion. That's B, billion. You know that it's been speculated, rumored, that the Commandalorians would sell for maybe higher than $7 billion. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a little bit high. But according to CBSSports.com, two league sources have estimated, just an estimate, that the team would sell for between, you want to take a shot at this? Uh, I saw Lovey float seven billion yesterday. I certainly think again because you're trying to project future earnings too. Mm-hmm. The value of an NFL franchise is only going to go up. So, I'll say Dan's probably going to get somewhere between eight and ten potentially for wow. this team. Okay, well that's way off of what whoever these sources are that's talking to CBSSports.com. 
They're estimating between five and a half and six and a half no billion. No way. It's going north of that. Now, they do mention that an, a new owner or a new ownership group would have to earmark between $500 million and $900 million to help fund a new stadium using the NFL funding rules and all yeah, that sure, stuff, right? Sure. Uh, where you have to basically, I think it's like, uh, I, I think in order to buy a team, you got to put down 30%. Uh, in order to build a stadium, I'm not sure if that rule is is in effect, but obviously the NFL helps you with some funding and all that stuff, and then you can privately finance or or whatever it might be. I, I would say that you're probably looking at you know more closer to a billion. Now, if you roll that into essentially the sale price, you might say, well, if Dan settles for six billion dollars. Really, the new ownership group is going to pay see, about yeah, seven but, but, billion. Right, but see, it's not up to Dan. It's not up to Dan for the new ownership group to build a new stadium. They have to make that decision. Well, sure, but they I mean, you're make, not making not Dan's you, fault, but, right? But you're not. I'm. I'm just saying, you're not making that the decision to buy the Commanders with with the notion. Oh, I'm going to keep FedEx Field alive. No, no, no. I mean, you, what I'm saying is. Sure, you, it may not be I, included I in the no, sales price, but you saying. have to basically like account for almost a billion, if not slightly more, in outlay, in outlay of what you're potentially going to pay. If, if I'm Dan, I don't walk away from the table with less than seven, seven and a half billion minimum. Now, why? All right, let me ask you this: without a new stadium, presumably, right? No shovels in the dirt. Uh, even though Virginia says. Apparently, it's going to be on the legislature again and all this nonsense. Why would you pay $7.5 billion minimum for this franchise? Because the NFL is a license to print money. and Okay, I, but then, then why weren't the Denver Broncos valued higher at 5 and a half or $6 billion? Slightly lesser market size sure. than, than Washington, sure. D.C. But, a, you know, a great history, a newer stadium. Russell Wilson, all of that. I, I mean, four point. I thought four point six five billion, even though it was the highest value ever, was somewhat low. When you look back on it now, you say, "Geez, they had the Penner Walton, you know, group, whatever." God, they sh- should have probably gotten at least five billion. But four point six five billion was the highest There's ever. No, but you're talking about an area We're talking here. About billions. You're talking about an area here that is so rich, and the average income in this area has got to be much higher than Denver, Colorado. That's fair. That's okay. Fair. The corporate support in an area like this, the potential corporate support in an area like this, much better than a Denver, Colorado. And we know, Chris. We know. Is it is it three billion more? Look, I mean, I mean, just using your figure, right? If it if they sold for four point six five, and you're saying if I'm Dan, I walk away with no less than seven and a half but billion. But if the right is it, is owner it, comes in, much? if the right owner comes in and is able to create that business for himself, create mm-hmm. the sponsorship, create maybe a new stadium naming rights deal. Uh, depending on when the actual FedEx contract does run out uh, with the franchise, because you would inherit that contract, and you have to, uh, you know, acknowledge that contract until it runs its course, whenever that may be. But if and Chris, we know, we know, season tickets are going to go up. The season ticket count is going to go up as soon as there is a new owner. 
Single game tickets sales are going to go up mm-hmm. as soon as we know there's another owner. Presumably sponsorship. Uh, sponsorship should follow along uh, as well. So I'm telling you, that's what you you do. You pre- if you're Dan from a sales standpoint, you're working with Bank of America and you're projecting this out to these people as to what this could be. And if I, again, if I'm Dan, I'm not walking away. Depending on what his debt. Uh, Ratio is it's fairly significant so, from what we understand, so, right? So keep that in mind. So if I'm Dan, I'm not walking away from the table with anything less right. than seven and a half. And I believe, I believe at least, at least one, if not multiple groups, will meet that number or go exceed it to get this franchise. So when they throw out a number, and we'll get to the calls in just a sec. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty three zero one two three zero zero nine eight. We haven't even gotten to our Heineke uh, debate yet. Um. When they throw out this number of five and a half to six and a half billion dollars, that w- basically what you're saying is that would stun you if somebody, whoever the group is, didn't pay more than six and a half billion dollars yes. for the commanders. Stun yes. you? Yes, absolutely. Not just surprise you? No, it would stun me. Because if I'm Dan, if I'm Dan, I don't have to. Right. I don't have to engage in any of these offers. If I feel like they're lowballing me, I'm just gonna sit here and keep it. Until somebody meets my price. Until somebody takes away my team. Look, Until somebody votes me out. It, it put the pressure on the NFL to do that then. If I'm Dan. What, hap- what happens in that case? Because it's never happened. If he's voted out. Then it probably goes to some sort of litigation or arbitration. Yeah. You but, know but, but there who, will be lawyers. As, the- as the great Andrew Brandt says, there will yeah, be lawyers. But... but- <clears throat> The value of the fran- – I mean, when, when the franchise then eventually does get a new owner, maybe the NFL would take temporary control. I don't know. When the, the NFL does, the value does, of the franchise, does Dan and, and the, T get that money? The value of the franchise is just a guess by some financial organization. Right. Okay? If you have – say you have an antique in your home, okay? You send it out – you put it out at a yard sale, okay? Well, somebody may want to come by and buy that for a typical look, yard sale. Everybody wants to buy th- something for a dollar. Some lady walks up. You know, it says, I'll give you a dollar for that. You're going to go, no, that antique, in my opinion, is worth more than that. I'm not going to sell it for anything less than $15. Okay? So. Well, wouldn't you put a price tag on it if yeah, you were selling it at a yard sale? Have you ever been to a yard sale? I've been to some. Yard yes. sale is barter central. This is all barter. The, yeah. the little dot that you put on there with the price tag means absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. okay. So, so that I'm not as familiar that is with. A like hopeful, if you put a $15 put a, dot on right. there, you, you like somebody could come up and say, I'll give thing. you a dollar for it? Right, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because, you know, God bless my wife. She's done yard sales, all this other stuff. When we put stuff out for a yard sale, I don't want to put it back in my house. Okay? I don't care what you negotiate with. Just negotiate a number that gets this out of my house, okay? So, but you are valuing. That's what I'm talking about. Dan will value his team at a certain number, and he's not going to take anything less than that. Just as you wouldn't take anything less than a certain number for that antique that you put out at the yard sale. So the art of the negotiation, that means we go to a second round of bidding and see if anybody... Gets up to that number. So what if Dan, let's just use a number just to throw it out there. What if Dan says, I'm not taking a penny less than $8 billion? Someone's going to go to that number. Somebody will want, there There are people, people with money have egos the size of North America. Someone will rise to that number. If you're, uh, what's his name, Bezos, 
I mean, obviously, $8 billion is literally like a ham sandwich. Well, and and Je- a, look, Jeff can surround himself right. with a lot of people to get involved right. in this group, but, but, too. So, But it's the equivalent of a ham sandwich. It's yeah. it's, it's it's nothing, right? Well, uh, virtually I mean, it's not. I mean, it is something. But, but I'm just saying, I mean, in, in relative context, it's nothing. In, 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 but ba- it, but, in business of that caliber, Chris, someone's ego will allow them to stroke that chip. What if, what if all of the other bids, though, you know, from uh, the group out west that tried to buy the minority share, um, who, who now that Ishbia is gone, we presume, uh, you know, uh, Walt, ha- not Walt Harris, Josh Harris, who's from Silver Spring, who buy- who's owns the Sixers and the Net and the um, the Devils. What if all of the other bids, Pete, are six billion dollars? Would you expect Jeff Bezos to just say, "You know what? Damn it! I want it bad enough." I want in the fraternity enough. I'm going to pay eight billion. That's what I'm saying, Chris. I mean, so you think somebody will outbid? I mean, because yeah. because I, mean, I have Chris, a hard time believing want, look, that. Like on the housing market, right? Two of them. Okay, That's I, I understand that on the housing, and and maybe this is the difference on the housing market. Like if I sold my house, okay, I might be able to get. I might be able to ask. Uh, let's just say, or any house, not my house. If if I sold a house in the Chantilly area, Chantilly, Virginia. Right, I might ask for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on the size of the house, location, all that stuff. But if all the bids that come in, Pete, are at five hundred and fifty thousand, somehow, and am, am I going to find the white knight that's going to come in at the last moment and, de- and, and bid eight hundred thousand? All depends on how desperate you are for a sale. Well, well. It, Oh, okay, but but what I'm saying is, is someone going to from the like, if a house is maybe the numbers I'm I'm saying are are not great. If a house is valued at seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, put on the market. Yep. And yet three competitive bids come in at seven seven oh two and seven oh four. Is there going to be someone who rides in on the white horse that pays eight hundred, meaning not only what you wanted but more? All Probably on, not. All depends on how long you want to wait for that bid to come. Uh, really hard to find that bid. That's what I'm saying. I mean, here. Why you, would you? Right, but see, here, a difference between a house and this is this. There's a deadline. There's a deadline imposed here. Friday, you got to put up or shut up. True, but if you want that house, is inherently you know the owner wants to get the sale done. I here's my here's what I wonder. If you I low, wonder if first this of all, is, first the numbers of all, is this private out. bidding? Nobody is nobody is nobody's lowballing Dan to the point of uh, percentages in this case of, you know, I mean you you you're talking about somebody bidding 50,000 less than your asking price. No, no, no I know. I but but I guess what I'm saying is if Dan ideally wants 7.5 billion, just mm-hmm. to use the number that you threw out. Just because somebody wants something doesn't mean that's what you bid. I guarantee you, there's a bid at minimum of seven and a half million in this Friday. In All right, here's Friday the envelopes. here's the other question, and this is I just don't know. Maybe this is high end banking stuff that's boring. Does Bank of America, who's doing this stuff, is it a private bidding thing? Meaning, we don't we're not telling you what Jeff Bezos and Jay Z bid. No, they simply so would that tell, we get they would you know, tell they would tell the Snyder ownership group. All right, we got. Five bids, for, right? But I'm, say say, we, I'm saying the other the other bidders. What, what I'm saying is, is I don't know if I'm making sense. Like if if Dan wants seven and a half, and Jeff Bezos comes in at 
seven seven. Do you tell the other bidders, hey, we we have a seven billion dollar bid here. You got to top that, or do or do you let it be a blind kind of like you examine the books? Well, I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, remember the Nationals allowed people to come in once they thought once they established mm-hmm. once they established legitimate bidders. In other words, you had to meet a minimum price to get into right. an area where you could go look at the books. Right. Okay. Once that was achieved, the learners then allowed a couple of those groups that were interested in buying the team to have a, a look at the finances. Yes. I think in this case, again, if you if bids reach a certain number, say. As we're using seven and a half, seven million is the barometer. Okay, say we have five bidders. Mm-hmm. One is like six point six. The other one is five point nine. The other three are seven or above. Okay, the three that are seven or above, they're going to make the. Second they're going to. They're going to make the next round of bidding and sure. probably have an opportunity to look at the receipts in some shape or form. Of the books of an NFL team at that point. But what I'm asking is, if you're one of those three groups, just just for conversation purposes, are you bidding on that based on what Dan wants, what Dan is asking for, what you value, what... You're bidding what you think will get you the team, period. In other words, and these what pe- are you what are you basing that on if you don't have any other comparable? Meaning, if you don't know that B- Group A bid six point eight billion, Group B bid six point five billion, but Group C, D, and E bid over seven billion. Right, but I'm like, looking. I mean, you but don't again, know. because when you get into that level of high finance, you right. people that do a lot of groundwork for you, you're looking at okay, like the Sunday ticket, which is up for bid right now. Everybody thought it was either going to be ESPN Plus or Apple right. for the longest time. Right. Well, wow, here comes out of left field. Here comes YouTube, okay? And and it's going to end up likely on YouTube now. Right. Every time, every – look, Chris, the NFL creates revenue streams. So you want to buy into this. You're projecting ahead that they're going to keep – every time the Monday night football contract comes up, it's not less. It's more. Sure. The NFL created Thursday night football. Why? I mean, to create another revenue stream. At some point, the, the NFL, money might dry the up. The NFL a bit. creating a Black Friday game now. Right. Why? Because they love to create revenue streams. Right. So you're looking at this, going, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a franchise in Washington that, despite all of this chaos that's going on, it's a club right now that's still fighting for a playoff spot, and you and your group are going, my goodness, if we come in here and bring in some stability to this, we're going to get fans, we're going to build a new stadium, we're going to get more fans when we do that, we're going to be able to charge premium prices for that, and oh, by the way, the TV money, every year just goes up and up and up. Right, but would you, but would that all qualify you as blindly, like, Blindly bidding seven and a half billion dollars, which is three billion dollars more than but any other gonna, franchise is sold for. Again, you have to bid what you think is going to get you the the team, even if it's way over what anybody else is willing. It's to bid, just is what like you're in saying. it's just like in the opposite direction. County governments right now right. and state governments do a terrible job right. of taking the lowest bidder. Okay. The lowest bidder, no matter what, as long as you meet these minimum requirements, if you're the lowest bid, like you and I tomorrow, you and I tomorrow could go bid right. on like a local youth basketball officiating contract. Okay. 
you and I could say to them, hey, we'll do your games for 25 bucks right. a game. I mean, right now they're paying probably 40, 42 bucks a game. And you and I go in there and go, we'll pay it. We'll do it for 25 bucks a game. And they go, oh my goodness, we're only going to have to pay 25 bucks a game? Sure, we're, we're going to go with you. But in this bidding process, it's the reverse. You are bidding how much money you think it's going to take you to outbid everybody else. Right. Okay. And if that means, and if your ego is willing to stroke a $7.7 billion check, it's going to get you the team. I'm fascinated by how the process works. Do they get told, Dan wants this? Do they get told, hey, we've got an offer from fill-in-the-blank company See, I, uh, or group again, for this? Here's what, here, again, how I don't know. How bad is Dan trying to get out? And the market in all this stuff establishes itself. In this first round of bidding... The Snyder Group will be told, hey, here's what our highest bid is. Here's what our lowest bid is. Then they probably, obviously, I'm sure Dan may have some parameters that he wants met, who it is, may not want to do business with some people that, you know, uh, is possibly the case. But again, it, it all depends on how bad he wants to get out. If somebody's going to put $7.7 billion in Dan's bank account, I'm sure Dan's going to be willing to look past who mm-hmm. those bidders may be, no matter how may yep. he, no matter how much he may despise them. Well, especially if it's five hundred million or one but, billion higher than yeah, anyone else. Say, exactly. Say, but like I said, if you have bids that are like five point six, six point one, six point three, and say six point eight, and then somebody comes in at seven point seven, I'm just curious and fascinated how this whole process works. Because I've admitted this, I'm a terrible negotiator. I'm a like and Grant teases me all the time how awful of a you know contract negotiator I am, and I'll raise my left hand up, right in <laughs> honor of my beloved commanders, and say I'm a Jets ter- fan. What the hell are you talking about? I'm here? a terrible Your beloved neg- commanders. I am a terrible negotiator. I would probably, if I was actually bidding for the commanders, I'd probably be the dum dum that bids eight billion dollars. Because I'd be like, you know what? I've got to blow them out of the water. I've got to scare them. I've got to be the Texas Rangers to Alex Rodriguez. And five to ten years from now, guess what? You're going to look back at that going, oh, my God, what a bargain I got. At $8 billion. What a bargain I got. A billion and a half more than any other dum-dum. And then every day day when you wake up, when you're living in some locale that no one can find you on an island somewhere, and you check your bank account every morning when you get up, oh, that's a comma, that's a comma. That's a comma. Is that oh, that's what, a comma? Is that what you owe, or is that what you're no, making? That's what you're making. Oh, okay, but you don't know anything. You look if, at you, your, if you're bidding eight billion dollars, you just have that sitting around a, in your bank account. It's a profitable industry, Chris. <laughs> I know people don't buy it's, into the NFL to lose money. It still takes time, though. It, it does. still takes time. But like I said, every time they negotiate a TV deal, the money doesn't I go know. down. I know, but you don't. Yeah. I, I mean, even the best NFL teams don't make more than five hundred million dollars in a year. It's all right. Maybe we're going to have, you know, maybe we're going to have, I don't know, Tesla Tuesdays with Elon Musk. And tonight it'll be the Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Jets. Tesla Tuesdays. Tuesday football brought to you by Tesla. Something like that. I mean, look, the NFL creates revenue streams, How about brought to you by Twitter? It's very possible. Tesla Tesla Twitter, uh, Tesla Tuesdays and Twitter Thursdays. How about brought to you by Russell and Medhurst? Every day, right here, Russell, nine to noon. Russell at Medhurst Field. How about That's that? it. Oh. Russell and Medhurst Field at uh, DC Stadium. I like it. There you go. How about it? Back at in DC. Buzzards Point. But, oof. Where's that? That's right over here, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
I don't. But if you bid it, if you built at Buzzard Point now, you'd be Pro- building in the water. I was going to say probably not a good That's idea. That's not allowed. We don't want the stadium to sink. Could one you imagine day. if they make like a floating marsh the stadium? Like if they put the stadium out in the Anacostia. <laughs> How great would that be? They just ferry people in. <laughs> what, could, what could go wrong? Oh. <laughs> what could go wrong? Pissed off Commander's fan <laughs> bites the dust in the Anacostia on the way home from the game <laughs> because Ron wouldn't take a timeout at the end of the first half. Left hand up overboard! Man overboard! 301 0980 your calls and Taylor Heineke is his clock ticking is the quarterback of the commanders we'll talk about that next right here on the team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Consuelos a los felicidad. Wait. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Hang on a second. I screw up I a lot of things. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I, I screw up a lot of things. I want to wish you a Slow Merry down. Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Slow down, Dan. You know who I used to, the first person I heard sing that song? Ronnie Millsap. The former basketball player? <laughs> oh, that's Paul Millsap. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Millsap, legendary country star. That's okay. All right. Wait a Whoa. second. Matt, did you hear what I heard? Do you hear what I hear? That's, by the way, a good Christmas song. Uh, maybe my best of uh, the modern versions. He said, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And then when it went to... The next verse, he was like, pros- like I forget what the word he said. He was like, prospectus on, on uh, a something or other, whatever, instead of prospero año e felicidad. We did go a little Latin there. Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, <laughs> I, like. I screw up every adage known to mankind. You just screwed up one of the most popular verses of a Christmas song ever. Ever? Did you not have enough Boston green Pop-Tarts this morning? I got plenty of them. To fuel your brain? I got them right in front of me. You don't, wait, what, do you even know what words you sang there? I have no idea. I just sing what it sounds like comes out of my radio. (laughs) It sounds like it came out of somewhere I mean, else. For years, what? that's what it sounds like, like. Growing up for years, I mean, whatever I would hear, um, Irene Kara's flash dance, uh-huh. and they were singing, uh, "She's a maniac, she's a maniac," and the words are on the floor. I thought at first they were saying, "She's a maniac, maniac, a nympho." That's what I thought they were singing when I first heard the song. No. Yeah. Yes, I did. Really? Yeah. That's what you hear when because it, it goes so fast. I mean, th- songs that go really fast sometimes you can't understand what they're saying. You have to break it down really slow, or look up the lyrics. I'm impressed you knew that though. I'm I, I, I'm clapping for you. 
Because I knew Prospero Año y Felicidad? Hey, I'm happy for you. That's great. I mean, <laughs> what? You know, what kind of American would I be if I didn't know that? I no idea. I don't know. Mexican-American? <laughs> Spanish-American? I don't know. Maybe you could study the lyrics on your way down to Richmond. That's not what I do. When you get done with AWOD. That's not what I do. I don't study lyrics. I study sports. That's what I do. Pete watches the Mountain West at 2.36 in the morning. He does not know Prospero Año y Felicidad. I want to wish you a merry Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks, Thank Dan. You, Dan. Thank you, Dad. Appreciate you This is your time of the year, buddy. Love you, time love you, to Dan. shine. This is almost a, by the way, this is almost the three year anniversary of that brilliant statement right there. Almost the three year anniversary of that brilliant statement. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Dan. And love to you, Dan. And to you, and to you, T. Yes, appreciate you. All right. So, you want to take the calls let's before get we get calls. into the Taylor yes. Heineke thing? Okay, let's, let's go. Let's, let's do that. Let's okay, start we'll work line that one. Robert has a very good point here. What's up, Robert? Hey, well, actually, calling in to wish you both a man, all the listeners a Merry Christmas. And uh, same to you, uh, Robert. Dean, I think you may be confusing Ronnie Millsap with Jose Feliciano. Uh, they are both Hispanic and blind, but uh, uh, Feliciano had a hit with that back in the seventies. But yeah, and I thought I, I heard Ronnie Millsap singing too. But uh, you're definitely right about Jose Feliciano. Okay, on uh, Franco Harris. Uh, it made me think, uh, by the way, I bumped into him on a return flight from Pittsburgh to Baltimore several years ago and uh, chatted with him. Didn't bother asking him for his autograph, but I did uh, express my disappointment that his team beat my Colts a couple times in the playoffs. So I had a nice little chat with him. But, you know, the Steelers, are, as you said, they're just one of those teams like the Redskins that just never retired numbers. They got about 14 or 15 players that are in the Hall of Fame. Not just really good Steelers players. They're Hall of Fame players. These numbers have yet uh, not been retired. So, But it made me think, you know, when they announced that they were going to retire Sonny Jurgensen's number, I mean, Sonny's up there, what, about 88? Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, why are they doing this the last day of the year? It could be a cold, going to cart out old Sonny. Well, trust me, Robert, the- you weren't the only one thinking that. There's people uh, that I've heard were also wondering what the hell I, is that all about. I'll just, just leave it at myself, that. Oh, here. Here they go again. They're going to have this uh, one of yeah. these uh, tributes, and it's just going to blow up in their face. But hopefully Sonny sticks around for a long time, let alone for that. So anyhow, uh, that's about it. You guys have a good uh, holidays. And on Heineke, uh, you know, they're passed in aviation uh, terms, uh, the V2 on him. They, they're committed to him after takeoff, so they got to go with him uh, until they're uh, eliminated from the playoffs. Thank that's you, Robert. Appreciate it. it. Yeah, Happy holidays it. to you. I think they are committed to him. To start Saturday. That's they're, where the commitment is. I was going to say, ends. they're committed through him through opening kickoff. Yeah, that's where the commitment ends. Let's go to line three. Bob's in Columbia. What's up, Bob? Feliz Navidad. <laughs> a prospecto yep. año, a prospectus annual report on the uh, – anyway, sorry. I tried to be funny there. Yeah, uh, Russ, I'm going to have to go back and unwrap what you said uh, about your interpretation of what that meant. But that's we'll save that for another yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, going back to the Steelers, I, you mentioned Frenchie Fuqua. I don't mm. know, there's probably some listeners out there remember he was famous for his goldfish platform shoes. 
he had uh, big heels with a couple of goldfish mm. swooping around. I think even Frank, uh, Franco Harris carried his cape for him, and he said he wouldn't let it touch the ground. But wait, uh, he had, like he had goldfish, uh, like the snack crackers on his shoes. This is the 1970s. No, in his heels, he had uh, clear. Uh, whatever they were made out of, heels uh, with water in them and two goldfish. Oh, you're talking around. about like real live goldfish? Real live goldfish. Oh, my Although gosh. I think somebody looked me up on that. I think he, they actually died, and then he was trying to figure out how to make it work. He was like running pumps down his uh, leg to feed oxygen. <laughs> oh, my but goodness. Frenchie Fuqua has, uh, yeah, of. Uh, you know, there's your 70s for you. Listen, I'm if your name is Frenchie that. Fuqua, you, 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 you're probably not operating with a full deck. Just my guess. <laughs> no, he had a cape and uh, like a, a fancy hat, and uh, he was quite the character. Interesting. But, you know, that team had a lot of great players, and certainly uh, Franco Harris, I got to watch him play, and he was certainly great. But, I, I mean, it's come up since they played, and I don't think it affected uh Franco actually at all, but there was um, evidence that there was they were using steroids a lot. So a lot of those ten or twelve mm. or fifteen players that were in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, it came out later were using steroids. Yeah, like so, Mike, Mike, Mike Webster. Anyway, yeah. I'm. Yeah, no, but there was like a lot of them. Yeah, but, right. I right. mean, it's kind of like LT. He would have been great, but sure. and some of these baseball players. But if you're all hopped up on coke and whatever, it's. Um, but. You know, you were mentioning the sales price of the team. I mean, if the Phoenix Suns went for four million, uh, I billion, mean, I got the Commanders are like twelve million. Wow, that's yeah. Well, that I mean, that's not gonna. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Happy holidays. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, Big Tony, who sends us normally just amazing pictures of what he's grilling mm-hmm. and what he's shot. Um. He said, you know, he texted both of us. He said, you know, too many Hall of Famers. And and that is true. There's a lot of Hall of Famers and a lot of numbers. But you know what? There's a lot of worthy candidates for the Redskins to retire their numbers up. But it doesn't mean you have to retire everybody's number. But a guy like, like in our case, Daryl Green, his number should be retired. You want to make an argument about the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? That's an argument we can have. I mean, we're not. There is a, no look, argument about Daryl Green. There should be no argument about Franco Harris, regardless of the amount of Hall of Famers. We're not assigning twenty eight to anybody right here in DC right, right now. Uh, how? Why we let Shane Matthews wear nine for a brief period here? Yeah, don't know. Um, instead, I mean, you know, Sonny's number. I mean, I, again, I, I don't know why we would would do that. But again, Daryl and, and you know Art Monk eighty one. I mean, the, we're talking about guys that won Super Bowls here, okay? Riggins, probably going to take new ownership, but nobody's running around with 44 out there. They're still sensitive to that, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Let's go to line four, Laps in D.C. What's up, Lap? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Hello. holidays to you, man. Lap, same uh, to you, buddy. Hey, I get. I guess we gotta go go with Heineke, man. Like I said, I'm I'm done with Heineke. I don't know. The offense is crazy, man. I mean, I've never been more excited about the skilled players we have on this team, and we still can't figure out how to score, you know, more than 19 points or whatever. Um, hey, hey, Pete uh, and Rusey, do you think um, we could probably use Gibson, similar how they use Debo and, and San Fran? And, um, and why don't we run, like, crossing routes or slants? Like, put 
put Curtis Samuel in, um, you know, some slant positions, man, so he can go out there and kill, man, because he can eat all day. Yeah, here's the um, problem with, the, with Demi too. Here's the problem with the first part about using Gibson like, yeah. um, um, like Debo. They that's how they use Curtis Samuel without the physic the same yeah, physicality but, and frame. Like to your yeah, point, but, but, Antonio but Gibson would have the more of the frame. That Debo has right? Am I am I screwing this up, Pete? Right? Gibson's thicker, bigger than than Curtis Samuel, but they seem to like Curtis Samuel in that jack of all things type role. Well, well, Rooster, he he has. I think Gibson would be better suited to do it, and we would get more production from him um, if he did it. Curtis Samuel needs to take pressure off of Terry. Same with Doxon. They we need to use those three headed monsters out there. Mm-hmm. They're dogs. Like get them going. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know why we always using our star receivers for other positions other than to go out there and just kill. When you got other guys on this team that can do and be serviceable for what you're requiring of them, we did it with Santana. We did it with Randall L. I mean, we we seem to always do that. It doesn't matter what coach we have. But I would rather have Samuel playing another uh, threat out there That's to fair, help Terry. I mean, it's a fair point. Thank you, Lab. Happy yeah. holidays, pal. Appreciate you. Let's go to line five. Dustin's in Gaithersburg. What's up, Dustin? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Dustin. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Um, so this thing, I think I agree with both of you guys. Um, you do have to consider that we do have no stadium, so that has to be a negative whenever you're going into a sale. But the value of this franchise is also going to be based off the leverage and how much leverage the buyers have and how how desperate Dan is to sell because he can name the price. He's going to control the negotiation but if there is some congressional or some sort of worry, somebody said something to him like, you need to sell this, other people that are bidding on it are going to figure it out. So there is going to be a hit on that, I think. Um, he's He had to sell – you know, you got the fans with the bags over their heads, sell the team. You know, these buyers know this. And so he can't just really sit back and um, not sell, I don't think. No, I mean, uh, and again, you're right. I mean, Dustin, he's, I, I, first of all, I think he is going to sell – unless the offers just insult them. I mean, that's ultimately as long as one of the, as long as the bidders don't insult them with their offers. And we know how negotiation is, you know, you bid low and there's a high price. You try to meet somewhere in the middle. We understand all the parts of the negotiation, but you've got to come. You can't come to the table at 5.9 and think that that's going to be the top bid in the group and get into some negotiation with the Snyder side uh, at $5.9 billion. I'm just going to be shocked if that's where the negotiation points start. I wonder if $5.9 billion and, and would get you thrown out of the, the, the first round, meaning eliminate, you know, like if you're playing Survivor Island, you know, type of thing, if that would get you, you thrown come, out, you know? I don't know. Not if you come back with something significant, yeah. you know, an encounter. But, I mean, I think Elon Musk also changed this uh, bidding a little bit because he paid $53 billion for Twitter. I mean, how is the NFL franchise not as valuable as a website? Uh, so and I know a, it's a social platform. More, and, more and than fair awesome. point. Uh, he's also a maniac. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. Happy holidays, pal. Uh, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Also throw this on to the fire. We know Ron hasn't put the lid on on the pot in terms of Carson Wentz. Do you think we'll see Carson Wentz on Saturday in any other role other than warming up on the sideline, wearing a uniform, and trying to get himself into the game? Do you think we will see Carson Wentz 
at any point Saturday under center against the 49ers. We'll talk about that next. Will he or won't he play? 11 was running around out there the other night, throwing balls on the run, like saying, hey, coach, look at me. I'm ready to go if need be. He was warming up in, in, in all those timeouts, those TV timeouts and stuff like that. He was the other guy throwing on the other end of the Taylor Heineke balls. Right now, Rooster tells us what's trending. Here's what's trending on the Team 980. All right, just a couple of days before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and just a couple of days before his number 32 was going to be retired by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the legend Franco Harris, Hall of Fame running back, has passed away at the age of 72, according first to his son, telling the Associated Press that. Again, the Steelers were expected to honor him and retire his number on Saturday night against the Las Vegas Raiders. Meanwhile, the Vikings, that great comeback on Saturday against Indianapolis, an all-timer, and it's got Kirk Cousins, everybody's favorite around here. Love Kirk Cousins, just say that. Uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Meanwhile, Kayvon Thibodeau, as you know, dominated on Sunday night. And Tibbs gets the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Khalif Raymond, Special Teams Player of the Week for the Detroit Lions. We talked about this earlier in the show. Carlos Correa, not going to be a member of the San Francisco Giants. Instead, he joins the NL East and the New York Mets. And how about the Wizards? Break them up. Print your playoff tickets. The Wiz snap a 10-game losing streak last night right here on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app, and that's what's trending. Some radio stations play Christmas carols all day. They have monster ratings during this time of the year. Then they go back into their holes, <laughs> never to be heard from until next year when they play Christmas music again. So the key is playing Christmas music, coming in and out of breaks. Should you play Christmas music in August? No. No. I love Christmas music. I love Burr Lives, Holly Jolly Christmas, August 25th. Not really not really feeling that as I'm getting on the airplane to go to Dublin next year. Does this make me a bad person? I don't like a lot of the old, slow, traditional, like, you know, Oh, holy night, the night, the night is shining. I like kind of the up-tempo, groovy, new artists, you know, the snazzier stuff. Burl Ives' Holly Jolly Christmas is still one of the best Christmas songs of all time. When I was a young DJ at WDMV, Pokemon City, a five-star station, it's 11 o'clock. At this time of the year, I would always make sure Burl Ives' Holly Jolly Christmas made it to the turntable at least once every 90 minutes during hmm. my shift. I'm sh- I am I mean, I-, I know what version you're talking about. I haven't heard it in a while. Have a Holly Jolly yeah, I mean, Christmas. That's, I mean, that's fine. Like, like that is traditional. But say I kind of like load of friends, you know. I, I would say that is a little. Cheers. I would say that's a, a more snazzier version than some of the other traditional. I know you don't like Perry Como going very slow. Do you hear what I hear? So I love that song, but I love like Whitney Houston's version of mm-hmm. it. I think uh, I think Carrie Underwood's done a version. I love that song. That I, song's a I great song. I love the national song. anthem. I love Whitney Houston's version of it. It was tremendous. But I also loved Marvin Gaye's at the NBA All-Star Game. Okay. That was much slower than Whitney Houston's, 
and it was still awesome. We all like what we like. Huh? Let's go to line that? six, Roy in Brunswick. What's up, Roy? Hey, Pete, Chris. Hello. Awesome show Roy. as always, gentlemen. Happy holidays to you and your pal and your family, pal. Absolutely. Thanks. Same to you. Um, so I got some quick hit points on. I mean, you guys know I've been wanting wins in. Um, everyone, like the defense is like, oh, man, it was a terrible game for the defense. But that's how spoiled Heineke has been. Uh, realistically, the defense gave up 13 points, held, held them to under 300 yards total offense, two for 10 on third down. We go one for 10 on third down when we're rattling off seven, uh, seven and a half yards a, a carry and we're not converting third down. I mean, Wentz didn't play very well in the beginning, but he threw us back into the Jacksonville game. He threw us back in uh, the game where he broke his thumb, I think, against the Colts. Like, um, you know, these miracles that Heineke is coming back from that everyone thinks he's the guy, he's putting himself in those predicaments. I mean, Logan Thomas had one catch for six yards last week. Do you remember what Wentz and Ertz used to do to the league. I mean, this team literally went from a bottom five defense with no Brian Robinson and an offensive line in shambles to a top five defense once they got rid of William Jackson and Robinson. And not to mention Dobson, if he didn't get hurt and Wentz stayed in, he'd probably be the offensive rookie of the year with the type of numbers that Dobson and Wentz were, were putting up together. I just and, – and think about this, guys. We're paying Wentz $28 million. This franchise has have to have a record for the amount of money we've paid over the last five to seven years for quarterbacks that didn't play. When you look at Alex Smith's $23 million, Wentz 28 last year, Fitzpatrick, or two years ago, Fitzpatrick gets on the field for like one series at $11 million. It's like $60 million in uh, money that we're just putting on fire to pay quarterbacks that aren't even playing for us. I mean, if anything, you're paying him $28 million. Put him on the field if he's healthy. I, I just don't see what else – is the point to not play him at this point. Uh, other than the fact that Roy, either the locker room might revolt or the coaches don't feel he's better than the guy playing. Because I, I mean, to me, to me, I've always been play the best player. I don't feel like the coaches think that Taylor Heineke's better than then, Carson then, Wentz. Then, then I think they what should they, be fired. I think what they fear, if they don't well, play the best player, well, remember Sunday night was the first time he was in uniform. That's number one. Good point. Number two, I think they fear a a locker room dissension, split, revolt, whatever you want to call it. And I will tell you this, and you might scoff at this, I very much believe Ron. I very much believe Ron fears the public backlash and 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 the the controversy that it would create because he would get whacked upside the right. head locally and nationally. If you're losing a game like you were the other night to the Giants. Different been, story, uh, I Again, think. but you're, you, the Giants team had been blown out in both I know. games I know. leading up to the one you were, and they had not been playing I well. Know. You're right. Okay, You tied them with a miracle fourth and four conversion, and you lost to them. Ron's, 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 what's Ron's number one obligation every week? To try and win. Thank you. If if trying to look look, great leaders make tough decisions. What if he's wrong though? What if he believes that Wentz is the better talent, the better quarterback, but he's wrong and it looks really bad. But if he doesn't make the playoffs because you can't look, they have scored twenty three or less in nine of the last ten games. I know. If he doesn't make the playoffs, people can always say, Well, you know, other teams that weren't expected jumped up, number one. 
Number two, um, he can say, look, if we didn't lose Carson Wentz in week six, we wouldn't be in this position. If you fire all your bullets and you miss the target and somebody else hits the target more, that's one thing. But if you are losing games here now at the most critical time of the year and the guy you specifically brought here at $28 million is still sitting over there doing nothing but warming up on the sideline, throwing on the run, and you never put him in, then whose fault is that? I think we'll see Carson Wentz at halftime Sunday, Saturday afternoon. That's what I think. Only if Heineke allows him in the game. Or That's the, not to or, say Taylor could Or if the 49ers dictate that. Hey, that there you go. The 49ers may dictate it, but Taylor has a chance to keep – Taylor is ultimately the one that has the best chance of keeping Carson Wentz on the bench. Sure. Absolutely. Either he will do it or he won't. This is a real simple thing at this point because you can't wait around trying to figure out if you're going to score or not. Can you afford the entire first half? Meaning they score three points in the first half and the offense looks about as dead as it looked on Sunday night. Can they afford that? All depends on what the defense is doing. If the defense is holding up its end of the bargain as it has for most of this nine-game stretch where they're 6-2-1, and one, mm-hmm. then... What if it's 14-3 like it was the other night? Has he thrown an INT or, I mean... What if it's 14-3, he's thrown an interception and a dropped interception? Give me number 11. At at the half or in the first half? Halftime. Okay. Halftime. That's probably you. the best place to make that 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 move if, if that's the case. What if it's 7-3 San Francisco with a pick? Hmm. <sighs> You'll know it. I mean, Chris, you'll know it. You'll ha- you have to watch how he's playing. I, I, if he's I playing agree. all right, if I he's agree. Playing but if, right, if they I mean, got three points, he ain't playing well. Interception could be off a tipped ball. I, I mean, I know. It, it all depends on how we get there. But you know what Does I'm saying. Miss, if, okay, it, but is he missing open receivers? That's fair. That's fair. But you know what I'm saying. If they've got three points, they've got three points, right? Right? What, what does everybody say? You are what you are. I, I mean, if your record is nine and seven, you're nine and seven. That's true. If you score three points, you're a three point offense. You are what you are, right? Sure, there's context, there's layers. Got to fire all your bullets. That's all I'm saying. I would go back to Wentz and not and and not even bat an eyelash. I I, I mean, I like like you, you're gonna get bludgeoned by uh, Dopey Skip Bayless. I mean, look, who cares? And guess what? Wentz could come in and have a miserable second half, and you could start could. Heineke against Cleveland, Absolutely. and everything would be fine. Or you could start Sam Howell against Cleveland. Oh. oh. Oh, 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 oh. Wow. Woo. Whoa. Uncle Chris is coming around. Just, He's coming around, ladies and gentlemen. I think I think we'll talk about that tomorrow, but wow. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. A little spicy meatball action. Little 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 Russell meatball. I like that. Sammy how? Sling in Sammy. Let's go. Bring him in. Do it, Ronnie. Do it, Ken. Do it, Scotty. Give me a little Sam Howell in my life. Can't be any worse. I mean, Brock Purdy's hit the ground running with Kyle Shanahan. You'll see it live and in living color this week. Final hour of the show. Phone lines are packed. We'll get to you next right here on the Team 980 streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.